Hey guys, just real quick before uh, we get into this particular episode, um, I just wanted to let everyone know that this is our 50th episode of the Third Impact Anime Podcast, which is kind of insane. I never really thought that we would, uh, you know, stick with it long enough to make this much content, but, you know, here we are, uh, 50 episodes later, and, um, you know, the, the podcast has gone through... Uh, some uh, small changes. It's gone through some really big changes, but um, you know we've we've stuck at it. Uh, we've been doing it. We've been uh, doing this podcast uh, since March of 2017, and now it is June of 2018. So just a little over a year, um, and we've made it to 50 episodes, and uh, and just. I think that's really, really awesome, and I just want to say just how much I appreciate everyone out there who uh, has listened to this podcast, everyone out there that has come to any of our panels, um, and to all of my, you know, excellent friends and colleagues and collaborators uh, that have worked with me on this podcast to make this happen, and, you know, I, I really could not do any of this without you guys, and I just appreciate every single one of you. Just thank you. Thank you so much uh, for helping me make this podcast a continuous thing and um, helping to make it, you know, better and better every episode that comes out because I think we've we've come a long way from our, from our early days. Um, the podcast has definitely uh, changed. Um, there's certain things that we've uh, tried to you know, make better since the beginning, and I think that we're always trying to find ways to uh, make this show uh, better for us, more fun for us, and more fun for uh, you guys who are listening, Um, and uh, I hope that we can continue to do that and maybe push it forward to, you know, another 50 episodes or so, or maybe even longer, Um, but I just wanted to say that real quick um, before... um, we start into this episode, which um, I just now finished editing, so I'm uh, very excited to get this out because it's a uh, a uh, a uh, topic that we are all uh, really interested in about a show that we all have a lot of affection for in uh, Otaku no Video. So I just wanted to say that and just thank you again, and um, yeah. Hi there, and welcome to the Third Impact Anime Podcast, where we talk about anime video games, and conventions, with a healthy amount of existential dread mixed in. You can find out more about our podcast by following us on Twitter, at T-I underscore anime, or just like us on Facebook to not see our posts, because that's just how it is now. Thanks again for stopping by, and enjoy the show! Hey guys, and welcome to this week's episode of the Third Impact Anime Podcast, where we talk about anime, we talk about video games every once in a while, we talk about convention culture, and a bunch of stuff related to all the cars that are outside of Sully's apartment right now. Would How are they doing? Do that one? Absolutely not, I'm totally leaving that in there. 
are you how are you doing this evening my wonderful co-host sullivan i was going to do like a fun like i'm back joke because i haven't been on in a while but the motorcycle just stole, totally stole my thunder and i'm very upset now i just, wish you would redo it just just go for it we'll pretend it didn't happen i await your letters of encouragement dear listeners Excellent. Uh, you can uh, send those to at Calvacoon on Twitter. Um, as far as my other co-hosts, we've also got Tobias. How's it going there, my friend? I'm doing pretty great. How about yourself? I'm, I'm doing all right. Doing all right. Better now that I'm here with you, lovely gents. Uh, and how are you, Mr. Bill? I am wonderful, and thank you for such a kind sentiment to us all. Well, I, I try my best to uh, spread the love to those that deserve it, and you all deserve it. Um, <laughs> and speaking of spreading love, we're going to be spreading some otaku-shaped joy this evening on this episode of the Third Impact Anime Podcast. We're going to be talking about Studio Gainax's 1991 OVA, Otaku No Video. And uh, I know that all of us are very excited to talk about it. Uh, this was Bill's first time checking it out, and but Tobias, Sully, and I had seen it many times. It's probably one of our favorite uh, things from Studio Gainax as a whole. Like, I mean, definitely in uh, in uh, from my perspective as well, it's one of my favorite things. It's one of their more obscure titles that I really enjoy. Um, but before we get into that, I guess we'll just talk a little bit and figure out what everybody's been up to. So uh, I guess we'll start off with Tobias. You and I recently did a convention together you want to tell us a little bit about that yep we were in huntsville alabama for hamicon just uh what was it last week end of june i guess second to last weekend of june uh by this point we'll probably have the podcast already out for that so you can listen to our uh, experience there a little more in depth but it's always a pleasure uh you know to go down there i've only started going to hamicon after i made my exodus from alabama uh, ironically enough but uh I, I definitely feel like it's it's worth the trip for me i, I get to meet a lot of people uh network hang out with uh you know, really good con friends and yeah I even get to reminisce about the good old terrible days of living in the humid swamp of alabama you know i was really glad that um most of that convention was indoors because we kind of avoided having to deal with that for the most part <laughs> yeah that was that was a good experience it was, but uh, I will have to say that, um, and we'll we'll be talking more about that in the actual Hamapod. Um, but the um, the venue for that was just so pretty on the outside. It was like, like man, I wanted to see some gondolas go down that little river thing with all the koi fish. <laughs> I'm sure there were, uh, probably. Um, but yeah, other than uh, Hamacon, you've been up to anything, watching anything, playing junk? Well, I think this last. We recorded. Uh, I recently moved to the other side of town. Not a not a really a huge move, but it was still a you know an experience, a draining experience in a lot of ways. So kind of readjusting to that. Uh, I just downloaded the new Octopath Traveler demo for the Switch. Nice. I played five whole minutes of it, but I really enjoyed it. I really like what they're doing by combining uh, these like graphical filters uh, against the classic pixelated style. I think it's really really pretty. But uh, I'll have to save my reviews for the actual gameplay when I actually play the game. You know, it just occurred to me that it's been an entire E3 since we've recorded an episode. Um, I don't think we've recorded since E3. I think Animazement, that Animazement pod was like the week before. Yeah, um, it kind of wiped us out. 
Yeah, it did. And then prepping for Hamacon was kind of like a full thing, so we didn't really have a chance to record much. Um, but uh, I guess it feels like forever at this point. But uh, E3 was fun. I know, Bill, you did a write-up about E3 on the website. And if people want to check out Bill's personal opinions about E3, they can go uh, check it out there. But uh, other than uh, Octopath Traveler, was there anything that stood out to you from E3? So uh, I only uh, watched two of the, uh, what do you call it, like press conferences? Because mm-hmm. I kind of got a point where, uh, I, I don't know, the whole uh, production, I'm just kind of growing out of it, I guess. Mm-hmm. But it, uh, it's, I was... It's a, I'm sorry. Uh, it's a time commitment, and it's just easier to just read a general, like, overview article at this point. Yeah, and I just kind of, I don't know. Like, I like I like playing games, but I'm not uh, into it as much as I was, like, in college, where I had to keep up with the news at all times. So it's just, I don't know, like, I guess I've done it too many times where it just is hard to feel fresh. But uh, insofar the things that I did see, I did watch the Bethesda uh, presser. That was uh, fun to watch, uh, fun to kind of make fun of in some ways. Uh, was I the really Bethesda Banshee back? Uh, they had, a, who did they have? They had a, the, the, they, they had the party hard guy. What's his name? Alex, Alex oh, WK? Hey, um, Andrew WK. Uh, Andrew Cubby, yeah, Andrew WK. They had Andrew WK on. And he was banned, but the audience was dead. They just kind of like watched him with dead eyes as he's, you know, doing his whole party art routine. So that was, uh, that was, uh, maybe not fun to watch in a traditional sense, but very, very interesting to see how different they reacted. That was um, one of the many frustrating parts about the Bethesda press conference where I just wanted to bang my head against the wall. Yeah. All I know about, like, the only presentation I watched was the Nintendo one. Um, but my, my friend Austin, not related to this Austin, uh, he and some friends of ours, we watched the, uh, presentation one or two years ago. And there was this woman from the Bethesda, uh, conference who just screamed every single line she had. And now she's become (laughs) what we refer to as the Bethesda banshee. (laughs) (laughs) she and the flute guy need to team up that would be amazing so uh i mean as far as that went i mostly laughed at it and i really enjoyed it traditionally um i'm glad they finally are doing elder scrolls 6 but it's going to be like next gen hardware for we actually get it so i'm not getting my hopes up too much that was that <laughs> we'll see we'll, we'll we'll see how it turns out but i'm glad they actually moved away from doing Skyrim yet again. That that was a now in development announcement. It was, yeah, so it's going to be like five years before we get the next trailer. And even uh, then, it'll be like a pre. But other than that, I watched the Nintendo one as well. I tried to watch most of it at uh, uh, at work. Uh, but I really enjoyed the first thing they showed was that mecha game. I can't think No, uh, Deus Ex Machina. So wait, is that... Is that related to the Ex Machina franchise that we know of already, or is this something else? I don't think it's related. I'm not really sure what you're referring to, but I think it's brand new. Bill, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, the the Deus Ex franchise from... Oh, um, yeah, yeah. Deus Ex. No. no, no, it is it is not Deus Ex for sure. But it's it's a mecha, like an anime mecha game that they've got. They have Shoji Kawamori, the guy that designed the oh, mecha right. Macross mm-hmm. on it. And I can't remember the guy's name, but the, the <laughs> director for Armored Core, I believe, mm-hmm. is a uh, is the director for this game. So they have a great team behind it. Yeah, aesthetically, it looked really interesting. So I'm looking forward to that for the most part. 
Uh, other than that, they showed mostly a bunch of new Smash Brothers, and I kind of, you know, fanboyed over that a little bit. But I barely played any of the last generation, and I think I've just kind of grown out of Smash for the most part. But it was still fun to, you know, to see Ridley and uh, to kind of see what they're going to be doing with the next game. Yep, yep. I mean, I'm not a person that really gets ugu about Smash either, but I mean, it, it's it's cool to see Smash still being like cool, yeah, and people enjoying it and like. That's another thing. Like, if if there's a really, like, a really solid video game franchise out there that may that I may not necessarily care about, that still like lifts all ships because it, you know, it gets good video games made. So, and uh, yeah. lastly, I uh, they didn't have it during the main press conference, but afterward they had the treehouse segment and they were playing some of the new Pokemon uh, Let's Go for the Switch, mm-hmm. and uh, that was a really fun watch as well to see how they're going to be combining the traditional gameplay with the Go mechanics. I, I really think they've struck a really cool medium with what they've done with that. So I'm actually looking forward to that game. But all of that, all of that combined together pales in comparison to, I know you guys don't care, but the Kingdom <sighs> Hearts 3 announcements. Wait, the what? So, the Kingdom Hearts 3 announcements. The, 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 the Kingdom what? The Kingdom Hearts 3 announcements. Wait, there's a third game? Yes, Tobias. There's th- th- well, actually, this will be the eighth game in the franchise. It, it will actually be the two point eight to the, the over two. Tobias, be careful! Don't get them started. Or else we're gonna be yeah, we're gonna... Down. Well, actually, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I'm uh, I'm super hyped to have Frozen there and Pirates of the Caribbean and my boy Remy from Ratatouille because I love that movie so much. Um, Kingdom Hearts three is gonna be beautiful, and I'm just so excited. I'm excited to see my my very my very special son Sora the Keyboy return uh, with all of his beautiful friends and uh, and uh, my heart breaks for Aqua. But uh, if anybody follows me on Twitter, which you should at Bebop Shock, um, you've you've seen me already retweet probably like three to four times per day since E3 something Kingdom Hearts related, which is basically business as usual. Um, Bill, was there anything in uh, that you wanted to talk about? Because I know you you wrote your whole article and everything, but was there anything that you wanted to bring up about E3 that you're hyped for? Uh, most of everything that I was hyped about was written in my article, which you should go read at thirdimpact.wordpress.com. Third Impact Anime. Anime.wordpress.com. I, I've said that say that wonderful website uh, so many times. Sometimes I blank out. It's fine, but. My main two things that just brief mentions one hype for Bowser Jr. because Bowser Jr. is best boy of Smash and also riff the memes of Kingdom Hearts now getting released. I'm happy for you, but I'm I'm sad that the memes are gone. They're gonna they're dying because it's finally getting released. Well, it's not out yet. Let's not let's not <laughs> get ahead of ourselves here. Well, I, I I love the fact that the uh, that the fact that it got delayed till next year has then spawned a new amazing meme that no, it's still coming out in 2018, but it is coming out in the 13th month of 2018, which is such a Tetsuya Nomura thing to do. <laughs> it is, yeah. <laughs> I, I guess, but uh, just like the now in development tag is now going to shift over to Final Fantasy VII the remake, which even Nomura said. We announced this way too early. <laughs> That's very true. He he said that a couple years about uh, a couple years ago about Kingdom Hearts three as well. But um, 
I'm just glad that, you know, that game's happening and uh, 7 Remastered is happening, both of which look, like, so good. I'm, I'm going to call it now. The FF7 Remake is not going to come out on the PlayStation 4. Yeah, you're thinking yeah, it's going to yeah. be a PS5 or whatever? I, I read an article where one of the things that didn't really get announced at E3, but there's an implication, is that a lot of the new games we're seeing are actually running on prototype next-gen hardware. So, like, Elder, like, a little bit of Elder Scrolls 6 that we saw, like, that's, that is definitely next gen i i don't doubt it because basically even playstation admitted like you're near we're nearing the final years yeah yeah so we are definitely i i'm sure at this point that's the reason we didn't see more ff7 remake is because yeah they're they're definitely moving it over to the next gen man i hate that though because it feels like the ps4 like is not that old like what is it like five years old see austin that's this is what we call getting old Mm. Also, that's the that's the that's the usual console cycle. It's every five to six years. So, man, I feel like it used to be like ten years. That's because the PS2 ruined everybody. <laughs> yeah, you got a point. It was like a bajillion of the days we return to a time where a console will last long enough for me to actually appreciate having. Uh, fair enough i would be happy with like a good solid like the systems coming out like post switch all last like a good solid decade before they have to be switched out oh i made a joke without knowing a good one (laughs) don't you want to ask me my opinions about e3 i watched at least one presentation you know you know i don't i don't care i'm not gonna ask but you can go ahead and tell me anyway so I have some opinions about Smash Brothers. Oh, so, here we go. You know, okay, is, 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 I'm ready to serve up my hot takes. Okay, so is is it, are any of those opinions related to Snake's bottom? <laughs> One is. They robbed, you say two are. They robbed the poor man. He comes back and he he lost so much for his. <laughs> okay, so, please think- please go ahead, Sully. You you have the soapbox. Okay, so here's my thing. I am the most casual of casual Smash players, and that to me, the idea of competitive Smash is like turning Looney Tunes into a Shakespearean drama. There's, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's, it's reducing it. So, I mean, I am constantly having to sift through a thousand basement-dwelling neckbeards' opinions on wave-dashing and L-canceling and whether or not the Final Destination Omega stages are exact replicas to the pixel that are fair for turn i do not care but one of my favorite things is they constantly want new characters we are at officially the count is at 65 but with the uh whole echo fighter thing we're closer to like 68 at this count because daisy and peach are like one character it's like a weird alternate costume thing but not a clone it's weird it's like we're we are well past halfway to 100 characters, and they're still like, we want Waluigi, we want K. Rule, we want Goku, and I'm getting to the point, it's like, it's like that kid at the store who's like, I want all of these toys, and you get them all the toys, and they play with one single toy, because I know what's going to happen. They're all going to pick five characters they're going to play, and two stages they consider okay to play on, and they will beat that game to the ground. So I am hoping to every possible higher power that this game just sort of i want i am a very bitter angry person i'm an i'm a i'm the old lady shaking her cane for kids to get off my lawn i want nothing more than to see 
the melee scene. The melee scene. Don't make fun of me. When I was a kid, do you remember that sister called it melee all the time? It stuck with me. Um, I want to see that scene die. And that's what that that is my hot take is I want to see the death of the melee scene just because I want to see what happens next. I want to see the next evolution in this tragedy that is the competitive Smash world. But did you hear that Mario's in it? I did. Although I don't know how to feel about Ridley being in it because he is too big and seeing him kind of squished down is weird. Like I'm glad, but I'm like, yeah. what 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 price glory? <laughs> the- they put him, they put Ridley in there because people on the internet were were bitching about it. Where's Ridley? Give me Ridley, please. I know. And now apparently uh, Reggie is going to tell Sakurai. I don't know if he actually is. I don't know like how much Nintendo of America and Nintendo of Japan actually do communicate. But he's like, I will make sure that the groundswell of support for Waluigi is known. I'm like, oh, that's such a weird sentence, you know. <laughs> It's been pointed out that like he's in that uh, that like homebrew Smash Brothers, and all of his moves are based on memes. And I'm like, I, I literally do not understand what he could possibly have for a move set that was not either made up entirely or just jokes. And I, again, it's like, do they really want this character? Will anyone actually main him? Probably not. It's like I doubt anyone main K rule if he gets in like I, I there are characters I think would be great in the series and I, I would be like hey if they get in I, I think that'd be great but I really don't see anyone like losing their mind over getting them in they just want them in for this weird fanboy completionist I mean that's part of the game I, I, I play like a party game so I like playing a variety of goofy characters I don't play competitively at all so like I, I would mind K rule I would mind Waluigi but I don't really care from a balanced perspective I guess for me, it's more like the sort of like being spoiled for choice. Yeah. And maybe that's because my main is is Link, and he's been in like he's like just one of the first starting characters in every game. So to me, it's like I know I'm just going to pick the same guy I pick all the time. So I guess yeah. I'm speaking from my own experience, but I'm excited. Like I, I give this grand uh, demonstrative statement just because I like to do that. I'm really am excited for the new Smash Brothers, and I I hope that it kind of lives up to everyone's expectation, and like Austin says, sort of raises all ships, not just people like me who just want to you know beat the crap out of you know video game characters, but people who want to bet Earth money, like actual tangible legal tender over Nintendo characters beating each other with frying pans. So, oh yeah. Other than that, I'm really excited for. Uh, Pokemon Let's Go, because yeah. I, um, the, it's supposed to be very heavily based on Yellow, and that was my first game, and it's, yeah, no, it's, it's all in Kanto. If, if you, you should get, go back and try to watch the, the whole recording where they exit out and play it. I feel like they've really done a good job mixing, like, the traditional gameplay with Go's paradigm, and I, I feel like it works better for the general story, I guess, of Pokemon. Like, you're not beating up every wild Pokemon you come across. You're just fighting trainers, and I, I don't know. Like it feels more of what it was trying to go for to begin with. Yeah, I remember as a kid when you watch the anime and then when you play the game, you yeah. kind of pick up or even read the manga. Like there's a lot of like discrepancies because you're like these are you know what this is the the animals of this world, and yet they become your friends after you beat them up. Or um, like they do they prey on each other like the Pokédex entries sometimes hint that and then sometimes like no they just eat berries and rare candy and I think 
I think as we enter uh, this this sort of like post Pokemon Go world, I've seen some people like, oh, they're changing mechanics. I don't like it. But for me, it's like it kind of brings it into that real world atmosphere. No. It's like, you know, yeah, I, like I think at this point, at this point, Pokemon needs a large mechanic change, I think, to be fresh again. I mean, there's only so many times that you yeah. can like beat up the gym leaders and face the the team for that region and collect everything. Yeah, so, like, I, I kind of I, I I played Pokemon since Gen One, and I really enjoy the, like everything about it. But they're really they are definitely twenty year old JRPG mechanics that don't really work much anymore. And I do need to download that Octopath Traveler demo. I am currently doing, I'm finishing my education after taking an extra semester to get uh, my minor. And I have been working every day and coming home like at five and then doing homework and then going straight to bed and then waking up and doing it all over again. So that's why I sound like completely and totally loopy is because I did not sleep for the last two days with any sort of regular sleep schedule so i'm probably sounding completely and totally off my nut use it i'm using it <laughs> bill do you want to interject on any of that uh just they're probably going to do dlc characters down the road oh so. yeah i don't yeah i, I, I don't i don't i'm not under the impression that we are done hearing about new characters for like we are definitely getting more it's just ridley was the one they wanted to announce so I'm I'm thinking like they're gonna do Waluigi because fans complained enough, and they'll probably also do a cool add-on would be Simon Belmont or Alucard from Castlevania, and Shovel Knight. Oh, oh Shovel Knight. Or or yeah. Shantae because I love the Shantae suit. Yeah. Or maybe um what's his name um Solaire um because there's <laughs> that Solaire amiibo you know. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah, I think if nothing else, Shovel Knight's probably the safest because the amiibo. But yeah, Solaire is like right behind them. Yeah, yeah. That would be the uh, that would be, I would I'm just gonna sell my Switch if they put Solaire in the flash. <laughs> That'd be so hilarious. Done. And I'll buy it. I'll buy your like, your Switch from you. There you go. You can main Solaire. Use his that son. All right, guys, are you all ready to move into our discussion for today on Otaku No Video? No. <laughs> All right. Well, I will take that as a firm yes, and we are going to move into our discussion about this. Um, but first off, I did want to say that um, for all of you guys out there who are curious about our podcast and the stuff that we do, uh, we are, like I said, Third Impact Anime. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash third impact anime. You can find us on Twitter at TI underscore anime. All of us have individual Twitters as well that we will plug at the end of the episode. Um, but um, if you guys like either the panels that we put on at conventions or the podcasts that we do online or the articles that we write on the website, uh, we would really, really appreciate it if you guys would pop on over to our Facebook page and give us a star rating and a little short review, if you'd like. Um, those things are really helpful um, in us understanding like what our audience likes, what our audience doesn't like, um, and they sort of just help us in general become better panelists, better podcasters, and better people at the end of the day. Uh, but that being said, we're going to go ahead and move on and reach for the stars with our discussion of Otaku no Video. Hatarachi 
た走るものまだ見ぬ世界あるか希望を抱いて信じるものはただ光る情熱熱く燃えたぎるぜ誰にも止められない心のそう、オタクのビデオは1991年の OVA by Studio Gynax。Uh, the very famous studio behind shows like Neon Genesis Evangelion, Fooly Cooly, Gurren Lagan, and probably the favorite studio of both myself and Tobias,、uh, Studio Trigger Excluded.、Um, Otaku no Video was directed by Takashi Mori, who joined Studio Gainax after Gunbuster, coming off of working on projects such as Kimagure Orange Road and Ranma One Half. After Otaku no Video, he would stay on to work on Nadia, The Secret of Blue Water, Gainax's first television series, and then would eventually move on to work on projects such as Gunsmith Cats, Giant Robo, and eventually Eureka 7.、Uh, Otaku no Video was written by Toshio Okada and Hiroyuki Yamaga.、Uh, both of these gents are founding members of Studio Gainax, Okada being the creator and screenplay writer of Gunbuster. And Yamaga being the creator and the director of Royal Space Force, The Wings of Honiamis.、Uh, and of char- course, we can't go with that without mentioning Okada was also the Oda King. Yes.、So. Yes, the Oda King himself.、Uh, Ken Kubo, the main character of Otaku no Video, is heavily, heavily inspired by Okada himself. So this is like his weird, <laughs> very.、Um, Romanticized autobiography, if you will. <laughs> We have character designs by Kenichi Sonoda,、uh, famous for working on Bubblegum Crisis and Writing Bean.、Um, the main voice cast for this includes Koji Sujitani as our main character, Ken Kubo.、Uh, Sujitani would go on to play、uh, Captain Tyler in the series The Irresponsible <sighs> Captain Tyler. I can see that. And he also plays Miroku in、uh, Inuyasha, among many, many other roles in his career. So we have Toshi,、uh, Toshiharu Sakurai as Tanaka, our、uh, second main character.、Uh, he would go on to play Hansen and King in Nadia, The Secret of Blue Water. And funny enough, he is the official voice of Shaggy in all Japanese dubs of Scooby Doo. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. <laughs> so that's- Incredible.、Uh, Hino is voiced by Shigeru Nakahara, who has and continues to voice Android 17 in pretty much every iteration of the Dragon Ball franchise.、Um, Ueno is voiced by the somewhat quite famous、uh, Kikuko Inoue, who played Bell Dandy in Oh My Goddess, Kazumi in Ranma One Half, 
Electra in Nadia, Lust in Full Metal Alchemist, and Starsha in the new Space Battleship Yamato 2199. Um, like I said, this is a two-episode OVA. The entire thing comes out to around probably about an hour and a half or so. Right. And um, yep. it was released by Animigo in the United States on VHS, DVD, and most recently in a very, very nice kickstarted Blu-ray, which uh, Tobias backed, owns, and can talk about in just a moment. You're welcome, everybody. Thank you, thank you. And it can be streamed on either Midnight Pulp or VRV, but with <laughs> VRV, you have to have it premium. I think on Midnight Pulp, you can watch it like for free if you just have like a regular account. All right, and that's basically the production background on Otaku no Video. And Sully, would you like to basically tell us what the narrative of Otaku no Video is about for those that may not have seen it? Kubo is your everyday Japanese college kid. He plays tennis, he goes to class, he has a girlfriend. But one night he runs into his friend Tanaka from high school. Tanaka is a hardcore otaku who ends up luring Kubo into the otaku world where he decides he will become the Ota King. The second episode follows him as he decides to build his own figure building company and tries to overtake the market while fighting his rival for both the company and the affections of his ex-girlfriend. Nailed it. Also, they go to outer space. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. As you do. I mean, that's that's the ultimate otaku dream, is to make it to the but sea of stars. <laughs> For sure. That, end, that ending is so non-sequitur when you get to it. <laughs> it is. I don't think it's supposed to be literal, but then again, it is otaku no video. So. Well, as we have learned from the Rocky Horror Picture Show, the best movies end with everyone going into outer space. That's that fair. Is, that is a fact. <laughs> Can't argue with that one. So I guess we'll start off our discussion by talking about how each of us individually figured out about Otaku no Video. And Tobias, you probably have the longest history with this particular title. So why don't you go ahead and tell us how you came by Otaku no Video for the first time? Sure. Yeah. So back in my day... Uh, it was just one of those notorious things that you kind of, you know, everyone had to watch, you know, on the, on the forums back when we were, you know, you know, BBS forums before we moved to social media. It was just one of those notorious things that is, you know, a, a, an anime about anime nerds. So yeah, eventually we did that get, get around to get finding a copy and just checked it out really early in a, you know, my anime club experience. Uh, I watched it again right at the tail end of that i showed it to a new generation of nerds and i again just just recently watched it for the for this podcast i've only seen it about three times so far and uh what around about what year or so did you figure out about it for the first time uh i mean i watched it for the first time in probably like 2005 or six uh the, for the second time again in uh like 2010 2011 mm-hmm. and then of course this year in the year of our lord you know, the, 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 the hell world that we live in now, 2018. And what was your initial impression of it the first time you watched it? I mean, the initial impression was it was always intended to be kind of a jokey thing. Like it was just kind of a, a fun, kind of poking fun at nerds, but also kind of, you know, celebrating nerd culture as well. And this is back when uh, nerd culture was just becoming, I feel like, becoming part of the mainstream. Uh, you know, there's still not a time where really admitted to watching anime on a public level 
uh, video games were just becoming uh, mainstream enough to talk about with you know the original Halo with everyone playing Halo. So I was kind of we were already in a transitioning period where nerd culture was you know the new hotness. So it was it was kind of a you know mix between this this parody that you were supposed to intend to laugh at these goofy guys, but also uh, you know kind of kind of enjoy it as well being a newer anime nerd myself. So what about the people that you like watched it with? Because you said you watched it in like anime club, right? Did yeah. did was everyone else like pretty receptive to it? Did they like it or were they just like, ew, this is old? Uh I mean as far as I know, they were receptive to it. It was always it's always been kind of more of a jokey thing, I think, for most people. Uh especially with my club viewings. It was you know, with the with the with the whole plot and with the portrait of an otaku segments that are obviously meant to kind of poke fun at nerd culture and otaku culture. It was very easy to sort of just dive into you know, laughing at these people rather than just kind of celebrating, I guess. Cool. So, Sully, how did you get introduced to Otaku No Video for the first time? Through you. Um, hey. I, well, you recommended it to me, and I watched it uh, last year, probably about a year from now. Um, that was back when I was living in my old apartment. And... Uh, I, I just really fell in love with it. I think it's probably one of my favorite anime films now. And I, I've watched it maybe three or four times since then. I, I turn it on kind of as a, as a comfort food sort of deal. And I something about it, me and Bill discovered in preparing for this while we were just chatting before recording that we have very different opinions and I look forward to a very spirited debate. But I, I sort of, I, I see and I acknowledge the parody and the self-defecating nature of the, of the, of the OVA. But at the same time, I think it's this sort of, this sort of tribute to the power of community and the power of people who come together to, to do something with their passion. And it kind of is this sort of love letter towards what it means to be in a group with friends. And so I guess that's my personal take is I see all the parody, but I kind of cut beneath that to see the sort of hopeful, optimistic message of the power of a group of people who are passionate and share a goal. So I guess that's why it lingers with me so much. And even though I'm not as uh, storied of a fan as maybe Tobias is why I think I kind of have this sort of uh, soft place in my heart for Otaku no Video. I think I largely agree with that sentiment, but we'll be uh, we'll be getting to that those weeds in just a moment. But um, I uh, I discovered it probably through doing my initial research for my first uh, Studio Gynax panel that I did probably about three or three years ago at this point. Yeah, was that like Animazement 2014 or something like that? Whenever I met you for the first time, Tobias. Uh, Ichiban um, 20, I think 2015, but yeah, I mean it's still about three four years. Yeah, actually, you know what? Now that you mentioned, I don't think I did it at Animazement that year. So yeah, it was that Ichiban Con. But um, yeah, I had found it then, and I I checked it out. I watched it. I think I found like a used copy of like the 2003 DVD. Um, that like you can find copies of that so easily. Like they're everywhere. Um, yeah. for very cheap. Like I think you can order it directly from Animigo for like eight dollars or something like that. Yeah, nine ninety one. There you go. And um. Yeah, that's how I that's how I watched it initially. Um and I just found out about it through um like I, I was hearing about the Kickstarter, but it didn't really mean much to me at the time because I'm like, oh, I've never seen that. That's 
interesting, I guess, but I sort of like blocked it out of my mind. And then once I was doing the prep for, for making that panel, I realized, oh, this is kind of like a, this is kind of like the Gynax story and sort of a very fantastical yet distilled uh, format. So I'm like, I, re- I really should probably check this out before I do do my panel on it because it has yep. a, so much, you know, stuff in there to, uh, to like gain that perspective and gain that sort of like, this is the essence of Gynax. This is sort of how they think about uh, themselves, at least in their like in their first generation. This is sort of like the culmination of, of everything uh, in that like Daikon era, moving on right. into like um, the Evangelion era, and then so on. I think that's but, really um, interesting that uh, you know, for for my experience, I I watched it way before I even Gynax as a as a thing, a separate thing. Really, it was just a like. A talking to video as of itself sort of carried its own uh i guess notoriety but to hear you like talk about well i was a guy in axe fan first and then just happened to stumble upon it i think it's really interesting yeah um because I, I it's kind of like it's kind of like you in the sense of like whenever you first you know put together the puzzle pieces of like hey this one studio worked on all these favorite things of mine how interesting yeah. um uh since you're you, it's funny kind of worked in the opposite like otaku no video was one of those puzzle pieces that you then put together um but for me it was it was a a piece that i found along the way right Um, so yeah that's neat um but um i guess bill you probably just you know picked up on it from osmosis from the three of us but uh had you heard about otaku no video before we started blathering about it i heard of that name talking to video just because that name is so prevalent and it's they can basically be modified to do anything you want with it uh for meme purposes and i've (laughs) i heard about the kickstarter when that was going on but i this is the first time that i had watched a talking to video all right so i guess we'll start out our discussion by talking about some of the uh individual characters and i guess we'll start out with kubo uh, Tobias, do you want to provide some more context to where the character of Kubo comes from? Like we kind of touched on it a little bit, but do you want to go into it a little bit more? I mean, I don't really. I think I've got a slightly different perspective than you guys. Uh, at least what okay. you said earlier. I feel like the Okada stand-in, the Okada Mary Sue, is Tanaka actually. Uh, oh. I think he resembles, uh, like physically, he resembles uh, Tanaka, and you know, Okada look a little more similar. I feel like than Kubo. And you know what? That's I, so true. Now that you and, mention it, yeah, and Okada is very much more of like, if you go back and watch Blue Blazes, like Okada is more of the crazy hyper nerd, and I feel like Tanaka starts off as as the like, he definitely wants to be like an Oda King, even if he doesn't actually come up with the idea. I feel like it's only Kubo you know, later when he's motivated by you know the things that happen that he really wants to rise above. And sure, Tanaka is more of this passive, you know follower i guess to kubo's ambition but i feel like initially like okada definitely to me feels more more like tanaka than kubo as far as kubo himself i don't really know if he has a direct analog i I feel like honestly the cast themselves you're just kind of stand in for generic tropes the only uh one that's i feel like close to referenced really is uh tsurumaki the mm-hmm. Night Owl character, who is, of course, named after Katsuya Tsurumaki, who worked on this film. You know, it's interesting that you pointed that out, because, you know, looking at 
looking at what Okada did like in real life and his sort of persona back in those days, it, it does more fall in line with, uh, with Tanaka. So do you think like Kubo is supposed to be just sort of this, um, amalgamation of like that hard work and guts spirit that Gainax has maybe? Possibly. I think he's just kind of a generic anime stand-in to be honest. Uh, Mm -hmm. he's kind of there to be the, to resemble that shift between, you know, the normies and, you know, recapturing this love of your youth. Because you look at the old Gainax crew, and a lot of them were still doing sci-fi stuff in college. So most of the Gainax crew was pretty much Tanaka. And this is, they never really stopped doing these things, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Kubo, I feel like, is more of an everyman character. He's supposed to relate to the person watching that it may be used to more, you know, again, using this term loosely, normie, you know, mindset. Mm-hmm. Uh, and rediscovering the fact that, yes, there is a culture that still does you know quote unquote research on these nerdy things like anime or military or you know cosplay or special effects i i feel like he's just more of a like a blanket stand-in character than he is meant to resemble one particular guy staff member yeah and um you know it's 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 hard and, and unwise to necessarily um like if you know a certain character is based on like a certain like real life person it, you also have to remember that they're they are not that person um right. they are they they take on the care some of the characteristics of that real life person but at the end of the day they are a fictionalized character that is written by someone who is writing a screenplay for a character they're not they're not going to have all the nuances or necessarily the consistencies or the um you know general attitudes about everything that that real actual person would have um that's why like certain biopics are you know you, you're you're supposed to take it as like a like a fictional representation of this person not necessarily that person themselves exactly um, yeah so that that's definitely an important thing to remember even though there is a lot of sort of um biographical pieces of otaku no video it's mostly just it i would i would dare to say it's less biographical is it is more just like Gynax sort of like pumping up their own ego a little bit but oh, in a very yeah. in a, for, in a, for sure in a way that's not necessarily like egotistical necessary it seems like very tongue-in-cheek um like when there's those scenes where tanaka is showing kubo the the clips from um like Daikon 4, and he's just like, this was created by some of the most genius <laughs> animators in the world. Yeah, they're going over specifically, and even later, when they're going over, uh, like, Macross, they talk about, like, they mention Anno very briefly. Yes, like, Anno's animation is so great, I'm like, you know, you know he's standing over somewhere, like, making <laughs> put that in the script. Yeah, it's so... It's so funny, but like it, it doesn't really come across as like being so genuine that it's like, ooh, gross. You guys are yeah. so like egotistical. It's just funny. It's like genuinely funny with, with those little tiny jabs. And I think that stuff is made funnier if you know what they're talking about. But um, I don't know, guys, like this is another question, too. Like, is do you th- do you think that this can be enjoyed for people that are not like super neck deep into anime or otaku culture well i think even if you're someone who who watches it without knowledge of gainax or their history or even i mean there are so many references that are made to anime that like 
even if we as English speakers had seen it, we might not understand that they are directly lifting a line from a Japanese anime that had been translated a certain way. Or, I mean, I know I'm always thrilled when they have the cosplay scene and I'm like, there's a Yatter Man. Um, <laughs> it's Lum. It, it, yeah, I love that there's, you know, the the other sort of main girl whose name escapes me. She cosplays as Lum and that just thrills me every time I see it. But I think even if you haven't, been that deep in the culture to recognize all the references i think just like i said the passion of the of the story kind of comes through you really i think even someone who's not into anime at all if this was like an introductory anime i would use it to be like this is the sort of culture behind anime that can exist that maybe doesn't exist anymore or in this current place and time but this is what kind of brings people into this world because because Kubo starts out as a quote-unquote normie it kind of is like an Alice in Wonderland sort of he falls into this world and acquaints himself with these people and kind of humanizes them and sees them and becomes one of them and that's kind of the end goal is he wants to otakunize everybody (laughs) make a world of people and I think that doesn't necessarily have to mean like I want an anime world so much as I want a world of people who are passionate about something Bill, did you want to jump in? Yeah, I think for people who aren't well-versed in the references, I think this is a good historical piece of anime culture at the time, just with the references, like uh, Lum, or there's some references to um, Yamato or Lupin Third, and this kind Lots of... Lots of Gundam. Yeah. A lot of Gundam references, actually. Mm-hmm. One, and, uh, what, what was it, the Shar quote that they did a couple times? Like, one, one, does, one does not care to acknowledge the mistakes of one's youth. Yeah, that. <laughs> and just um, kind of the disparate aspects of fandom at the time. Like, I love that they're in a line to go see. Uh, 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 do you remember Love? Do you, no, I thought it was um, they're going to see um, oh, Nausicaa, Valley of the Wind. Well, I think that shows up later, but the main one I think you're talking about where they're. That actually shows them waiting. Well, maybe you're right. You know, maybe you're right. I I think I think they were they were showing cells or uh, like sete from. Do you remember love? Maybe they were, but I I also want to say that they were in line for Nausicaa. Like I don't remember. Okay, okay um, yeah, that, that must have been up. Because because yeah, because they definitely you know the dude showed up with those with those Macross uh, yeah. drawings and then um. That's it. Yeah. And then yeah, they also like I think the the title card after that sequence was something about like uh, the wings of Honiami is coming out, which was pretty <laughs> shortly after Nadia, maybe like a year later. Mm, okay, yeah, that must have been a. Uh, either way, um, I guess my question was was more so like, can this can otaku no video be enjoyed by people that are not like otaku? They're not the already. Of, yeah, like if they're not already like knee knee deep in like anime culture whatever it is that that means do you think that there's something here that they can appreciate or is just the whole like idea of otaku like is is it is it foreign i guess is 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 this something that can be enjoyed Mm -hmm. if if, like if you just like watch dragon ball z as a child and then you watch otaku no video is this entertaining to you? I mean, I don't know because I've been, you know, in anime crap and I, I understand like the references and the way that otaku work, but I just wonder if it's accessible beyond that. I, I personally don't think so. Just because there were, Oh, go ahead, Tobias. I was going to say, I, I, I actually agree with you. Uh, just because one, the references 
are can kind of get lost on people. And also for me, when I watched it, there was a tonal difference that I was seeing. I was seeing it as otaku dumb is ruining the main character's life and the portrait of an otaku. I didn't see the humor in that. I just saw these people who have become obsessed and have uh, where they're just saying like, you're a loser. When was the last, have you had any sexual experiences? And maybe it's because I don't speak the language or just the way it was presented tonally wise, especially in the first episode. It it just seems that it was self-reflecting kind of a hatred of what they're into. Right. You know, I totally hear you on that because the first time that I watched this, I was really unsure about whether or not those sequences were supposed to be real. Um, <laughs> because I didn't I didn't know anything about it. So I, I really didn't know. I was going into this almost totally blind. Like all I really knew was the name of this thing is called a talking a video. It was a guy next thing. Dot dot dot. Um so initially I didn't know if they were real or not. So they really did um like strike me as very strange and very sort of voyeuristic. Um and and it's I would argue that the humor there is 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 very much like dark humor, but it is very difficult to pick up on the tone, like you said, because you you know, I can't I can't tell sarcasm when I'm listening to another language. Um, maybe if I were a native Japanese speaker, I could pick up on the way that they're delivering these lines and maybe that makes a difference to these scenes, but it just felt like just, it hurt. It was very strange. It made me feel uncomfortable, especially on that first watch through, like watching it again, most recently, I didn't feel that way because I knew that they weren't real and I knew that they were supposed to be like exaggerations. And the one with the American is hilarious, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, but yeah, like I I totally hear you on that bill, like one hundred percent. Yeah, like, I didn't know that they were uh, planned out by. Uh, the, I think there were mostly um, people who worked at Gynex who are in the portrait yeah. of Otaku. They're all they're all people, people who worked on Otaku in a video, if nothing else. Which, if you don't know that, you think they're real, and yeah, I think I think some of the humor just. I didn't, I didn't, I felt that it was more dark. Like, is it funny that I'm seeing there's two portrait of Otaku no videos of people masturbating? I don't, I don't think that's yeah. that funny. <laughs> Not really. I think that was definitely done a little bit for shock value, for sure. I guess. But it became more of a, oh, I get the, I get it now as a joke when they got to the second episode. But the first episode, it just, it just made me like, Oh, this is very much an an ano self hatred <laughs> kind of yeah. Where it, the, it, the Lulu jokes have not aged well at all. Um, which which ones? Uh, I know that there's like the pie graph of like what do you what are you interested in, and one of them's like like schoolgirl fetish, lowly fetish. Um, yeah, that that uh, that is one thing that like when i see it i'm like oh god i have I, i'm i'm so uncomfortable like even though this is a joke i'm like i do know these are real there are real people they're making fun of and uh, i have to confront this you know i guess i uh, there's a lot of the uh, things in otaku no video that just goes to show like fandom has changed but in a lot of ways it stayed exactly the same <laughs> for better <laughs> for better or worse uh yeah it's 
sadly. I think while there's humor and just how obsessive people can get, there's also a there's a dark undercurrent like uh currently with all the Star Wars fans online being idiots to Kelly Tran who played Rose and yeah. this, this stupid petition that's going on of <laughs> we the Star Wars fans are gonna take Star Wars back. It it's it's kind of that dark undercurrent of fandom. I I'm that's what I saw especially in the first episode of Otaku in the video is more of the darker sides of fandom because because I don't speak the language and because just the way the tone of the narrator and the way the actors play it, it it seemed real to me. And I didn't know that the portion of Otaku uh, sections until after I watched it were Gainax people. So would, uh, now correct me if I'm wrong, but I will make the assumption that you only feel this way about those live action segments because the the anime sections have a vastly different tone. I don't know. That first episode's pretty dark where he loses his girlfriend. He is basically consumed and where he basically loses his uh his focus. It isn't until he's like, I'm gonna form my own company and he gets really energized. Uh when he forms GP, or mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's GP, is when there's more of a tonal shift. Not but general products. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Grand which Prix. Is, which is a great uh, reference to that was their failed company for <laughs> Kinex. I mean, general, uh, general products might have felt it's like overall, but I mean, there's still a lot of fond memories of that, that company. You can still get some of those, some of that Daikon merch. It's super expensive, but it's out there. The the only things I really liked from the first episode were just like it was a good picture of fandom at the time, mm-hmm. and also just the little in references of them watching like Daikon Four or <laughs> like Castle King Ghoster poster in the background. And I really liked that aspect and just kind of the diff- different aspects of fandom they showed. But that the first episode, I I wasn't a fan of the second episode. They they were able to translate it uh, just kind of the more like this is played for laughs of just how obsessed uh Akubo, yeah kubo gets really energized and then working on the model kits and then uh later on when he's in that boardroom meeting is just so absurd that's when i kind of noticed the tonal shift but that first episode the tone to me seems like he's going down a rabbit hole and it's a not a safe rabbit hole yeah and um you know, you mentioned the whole like uh, the sort of the the um, the um, the catalyst for him sort of like going on this like you know quest to be the Ota King is the fact that his girlfriend is like uh, like cheats on him and then like indirectly indirectly breaks up with him and he's kind of heartbroken by that and he like finds solace in like like I'm gonna take over the world and make this amazing company and all that stuff but I'm like. Man, in some, in a lot of ways, he kind of brought that on himself. Oh yeah, because... for sure, for sure. Yeah, I think I don't, I don't really know if it counts as she cheating on him, simply because he just wasn't there to like. She couldn't call him. She couldn't talk to him. She yeah, couldn't just yeah. like hit him on the cell phone and you know message him on Facebook. Yeah, that's so fair. All stuff. You know? So like, I don't, I don't think it was. I don't think that blaming her initially is not. Uh, now, now that I'm an adult, you know, now that I'm a little more mature than I was when I first watched it. I definitely relate to her her issues as well. Yes, for I feel sure. like her her becoming the evil like you know takeover at the end was 
very cartoonish. <laughs> I, hate, I hated that. That was probably that's probably my least favorite part about this whole thing. I really, really hated that plot point. But um, but yeah, you're totally right. So I I think that makes I think that makes Kubo like a lot less you know sympathetic as a character because you know you see him he makes all of these mistakes on his own and then he sort of becomes this like capitalist overlord because a girl dumped him even though it was his fault um so i mean in the end like i don't really as a character i don't really like kubo that much like and personally and the other thing too is just it's it's really out of date tonal wise into in today's climate because that whole like she dumped me i'm gonna get revenge just seems it's really icky to me with in the in in the climate that we're currently in with the with all the revelations of abuse and it just it just it it's just yeah plus i mean if you just think about it for just a second you will know that kubo was totally in the wrong about this whole thing so yep um I guess so, that go, go ahead. I guess device. I got to key off because uh, I have some many different opinions on Bill, but very similar. To go back to the original question, uh, I feel like the anime segments for this, I would say, would hold up for someone who's maybe just dipped their toe into anime con culture kind of stuff. Um, I wouldn't show it to someone fresh on the boat. This would not be like the second thing you show them after Dragon Ball Z. I don't feel mm-hmm. like. Unless they're already like into nerd pop culture as a whole, it it's definitely uh, you know a historical look, you know a goofy historical look at uh, you know '80s nerd culture, like bubble era nerd culture. Uh, as far as the plot itself, I feel like it's very self-serving, and sure, it's very self-aware, but it still goes off the rails with you know Kubo, like you said, did bring all that crap on himself, but he deserved to get dumped totally. Uh, I'm I'm proud that I'm happy that he was able to find connection to his childhood and like enjoy these nerd things, but he also did it in a very unhealthy way. And uh, you know he was he was still in he was like a freshman in college, so like he was making pretty common mistakes. So it's just part of his his character. But I feel like from that moment on, where he decides to double down on his awful nature, and then just from there the story becomes this goofy, you know, we're gonna go into space on the gunbuster. And take over space. It's from there. It just kind of you could tell that it, it's there less as a story or you know biographical look as it is just to be kind of goofy. Uh, I don't know. The more I watch it now, like the older I get, I don't know if I quite enjoy it as much. Uh, and as far as the portrait segments go, I, yeah, I think they're definitely uh, tough to watch, honestly. And uh, you know, maybe at first when I saw them in college. And more being more of like an edgy, you know, paradigm myself. I think I enjoyed them more. Kind of like, you know, haha, laugh at, you know, look at these, they're, they're being nerd, you know, nerds. And it was easy to laugh and just forget about it. But now that I think we've come a little bit further, it's definitely more difficult to see those. And I, and I don't, they, I don't, I think the language barrier is not quite so much of an issue because you can see the, you can see their reactions, you can see the tone they have. And some of them are are legitimately funny, like the one the guy the guy's in the office, and he says like, hey, "So look at this dojin you made," and he snatches it out of the guy's <laughs> hand, like, "Where yeah. where did you find this?" And I think that just kind of transcends language itself, 
and from there, you know, he puts on the, the, the actual mask, the, the char mask, which is, I think, where the first thing that tipped me off that these are not real, because you know, he just happens to have a mask in his, uh, you know, his office. And some of them are really interesting, like the, the whole selfie thing I found really interesting. Uh, the ones that, the, yeah, there were a couple that were just really, uh, really a little more uncomfortable because they yeah. were obviously there to poke at like the guy who's playing the like the computer games the the h game on his computer like the questions they ask him are i mean language or not like you can see you can see what they're asking him and you can see his reaction to those and it's it's there to poke fun yeah i mean i feel like there's there's probably this level of uh like a psa nature to a talking to video sort of in the guise of humor um because you know for as for as otaku as the Gynax guys were and are, like they're not, I, I would I would venture to say that they're probably not unself aware, and they oh. can, you know, look look at the community that they're a part of, look at the community that they contribute to, and be like, there's definitely some disconnect here. There's definitely some uh, some very unsavory habits, some uh, very um, questionable uh, lifestyle choices um, that end up really hurting these people in the long run. And um, I don't know, this just seems like sort of like an aggressive like mirror uh, within the guise of like, oh, hey, we're we're otaku too. And we just want to make you make, we just want to make sure that, you know, mm-hmm. all otaku are like taking care of themselves and are you know, like socially, you know, um, uh, healthy and all that sort right. of stuff but not do it in a preachy way, I guess. It's it's yeah. more like being like, hey, man, we're the same, but I want you to live your best life. And this does come, you know, a couple of years before Evangelion, but I feel like that's what, like, the lesson that Anno took out of Evangelion and uh, trying to tell Otaku through it. It's like, you know, you can enjoy these things, that's fine, but don't obsess over them. You know, you, there is there is life outside of anime and nerd stuff, and you got to enjoy that as well and, you know, quit arguing know it now like 20 years later about who's the best girl if you're gonna collect if you're gonna record stuff off television for goodness sakes watch it <laughs> i love that guy he's my favorite yeah. i record them every day do you watch them oh no never <laughs> <laughs> and he says that in such a grave like just sort of oh no 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 I, never I want to take my original 10-star review of a Tokuno video and drop it down to two stars so I can fit in with the rest of the group. Um, <laughs> hey, I, mean, I, I wouldn't say that. I, I I see these things, and I guess because I, I really don't care about Kubo as a character, like, I see him as sort of, like, almost like a plot device that we're, we use him to follow the, the storyline, and I do agree the second episode gets very silly. I, I really only like the first one, and I, I'm not a big fan of the uh, the live action bits because I, I they're funny, but they kind of take me out of the story. Like they they kind of the, the tone shift is so abrupt and so drastic that I really find myself skipping through them. Yeah, I, guess I kind of forgot how many there were. Just watching this again, in each episode, I think like there's a lot. Um, but. I think for me, what I really enjoy and kind of the opposite that Bill is saying that we were kind of going for is like, I don't see it as saying, at least the anime saying what you're doing is necessarily bad. It's just perhaps there's a right and a wrong way of doing it. Um, You'll notice that 
the otaku that are featured in the live action segment, the portraits, they're all alone. They're all completely by themselves, as opposed to the ones in the anime who are almost entirely in each other's company. And I guess for me, you know, in, in literally doing a project that involves all of us working together, I see so much of like, okay, this person, this is their specialty, this is what they're good at, this is what they're passionate about, and this is why they're a part of the team, this is why we need them. And uh, that whole, like, the, the scene where they're at the movies and they're waiting, I mean, we go to, to movies together, to anime movies, and we wait in line, and while we're waiting, we talk about the stuff we're watching, and we get excited, we show off things we've gotten, and I guess I guess I see those things with rose-colored glasses of, oh, I see all these beautiful things that just come from people connecting and sharing an experience. I mean, this could be a movie about, like, collecting thimbles or skiing baseball. or... Baseball, like anything, like I just, one thing that I, I complain about is that I get tired of meeting people who I feel are very boring because they don't have a passion for something, and that could be anything, even if I don't personally understand it. I might not understand people who are hardcore into like sports and they paint their body like the team colors it, but I think those sort of people obviously have something if they like are passionate. Like I love the John Waters quote, life is nothing if you are not obsessed. So I love this idea of like, you can take being obsessed with something and find people who have that same obsession or who are in that same sort of mindscape as you, and you can turn it into something that's very beautiful. Like maybe not necessarily taking over the world with a company that makes Misty May figures, but maybe <laughs> in making a podcast or writing or, or just doing things together. Like I feel like, if the PSA is get out into the real world nerds, it also is saying there are other nerds, go hang out with them. You don't have to be like everyone else. You can do your own thing and find other people who want to do it with you. And I think I can I can probably speak for Tobias and myself that we're we are speaking kind of hard on Otaku the video and the things that we've said already because we really do like it a lot. Um like at least at least from my perspective because all all the things that you just outlined solely like i also completely completely agree with um like that i would say that's probably the secondary and probably the most important message of otaku no video is basically what you outlined that you know things are more worth doing if you have a passion and b people to do it you know with and uh that's that's really sort of what a lot of otaku no video is a testament to it's it's the power of of community based around you know this very very genuine pure um, passion for particular things now that's not to say that all of the characters are perfect or all of the plot things are perfect or if they got their message across in the you know most perfect or best way but still all of that stuff is very much there and i that's that's why i still you know really appreciate this ova and i still like it a lot even with all the criticisms that i have about it yeah i i don't mean to be debbie downer on attacking a video it's just when seeing it for the first time the more darker aspects are kind of easier for me to notice well there are positives like i love how each of them are in their own have their own specialties and there's not an elitist attitude amongst the group oh thank goodness and also, I like that there's a female part of the group. There's where... two, but one of them doesn't speak. Yeah. Oh, I, I thought there's only one. Well, well there's, there's, there's a couple. There's, there's three. Female, I think three total. There's uh, 
then there's the girl whose specialty is Bishonen, and you just see her drawing yeah. and drinking. I don't know she why they didn't line. do anything with her character. She ha- yeah, she has like one line, and then she's just sort of gone. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I love that, because most, unfortunately, in Geekdom, it can kind of have a boys club attitude. But that's great that they're just part of the group, and it, it's not a... Um, do you have the knowledge? Do you know about insert thing here? Which yeah. sometimes can come about, but I love that they're a part of the group. Definitely. Uh, and um, I guess my only problem, my my only major problem with the female characters in Otaku no Video is just is just um, what's her name? Like uh, Ueno. The uh, the girlfriend. Ex, yeah, the ex-girlfriend Ueno. Yeah, she's um. Just the decision to make her like the mwahaha villain, like <laughs> assistant to the evil guy that takes over the company is just, I don't know. It just seems petty and out of character. Like if I were writing this, I would be like, she probably just moved on and, you know, went and, you know, got married to this guy, had a kid and is a very, you know, you know, whatever office lady or whatever. She didn't, She there was never enough characterization of her early on for me to assume that she would do anything else. Yeah, I think I said, I think that, I mean, to go back to what Soli was saying, the appreciation and the depiction of otaku culture is, is genuine. I really like it. Yeah, I like seeing the references. I like seeing them delve into different aspects of the subculture. I just think the plot, when you scrape away all the, like, the whole museum aspects and just look at the plot, it, it has a hard time holding up. And I think that the main problem is that it doesn't really, it almost aggressively refuses to be introspective. So like when 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 Oeno leaves him, uh, rather than you know, think like maybe maybe I need to you know study more, maybe I should take a break from you know watching cartoons all day. He's like, no, I'm just gonna I'm gonna be the Oda King. I'm gonna double down on this. And the only reason he's got a company to begin with is the, the fact that the garage kits just took over as a trend. So it what? really wasn't and, because he and, was like, and yeah. that he abused cheap labor from China. <laughs> yeah, and the. But so, like, the only reason, like, he, he got a company and it made anything worthwhile is because he just happened to hop on a trend at the right time. And that kind of, like, that does kind of match the Gynax story. So we go back to the autobiography aspect. You know, they're not individual characters, but the, the huge swaths of story are, are what we're hearing from Gynax. So with General Products, that was just, like, Okada's family funded that and they just happened to fall into place with, uh, you know, the, like, a lot of the trend at the time. and yeah, like they just didn't have the financial wherewithal, like the sense later. And I feel like we see that with with them. Like he just instantly decides to, you know, to go to China, stay there for like a year while he leaves his company in the hands of Tanaka, who's all he cares about is, you know, nerd stuff. And, you know, and I, I feel like that matches the Gainax stuff because they didn't really have any financial sensibility. Like even Yamaga, you know, if you look at it on the, you know, on the whole, like he's not necessarily the, the best businessman uh, historically, so I guess that kind of you know would make sense with with that with that aspect. You know, he comes back you know a year later after building this huge factory to see his entire business just sold off, and yeah, it's a little self-serving. Like as far as the plot, like of course, who else are we going to have as a takeover than the only antagonist we have in the story, who's the girlfriend that left you because she doesn't understand your. You know, you're otaku nature, not not because you make unhealthy choices, but because she doesn't understand you. The other thing is, it seems like the plot is just going through sheer force of will. Like, 
through some logical decisions. Like, why would the CEO of a company stay in China to see his factory get built the whole time? Shouldn't he have, like, I don't know, someone <laughs> under him watch the factory being built? Um, One thing I, and- I kind of noticed about the company is that Kubo doesn't do anything, and he kind of has everyone else do all the work. <laughs> yeah. I mean, isn't that what a CEO does, like chief delegator? I guess. I mean, I don't know. Pretty I do specific. find it. I do find it hilarious that whenever he establishes Giant X, he ends up for some reason I can't imagine why striking a deal with Gorbachev in Russia. Yeah. <laughs> and then America puts sanctions on him for some reason. <laughs> well, I like I like the part when he's in China and they finish building it, and he looks out the window like. Look at you know up upward like in a propaganda poster, <laughs> and the the other guy there like looks out like, "What are you looking at, man?" Like that was so <laughs> funny. Can can you explain to me why they have those little news bits? It's like October nineteen eighty five. The Japanese emperor uh, dies, leading to a succession. Just, I don't understand those news bits. My assumption was that those were like big, you know, uh, big stories in Japan in those particular times, just to give you that like cultural frame of reference. I kind of saw it as that. And also, this is the world that is going on around these characters who are so caught up in their fantasy world. They don't actually see the real world. Right. That and they usually, they usually tie into what the next segment's going to be. So they, they mentioned something about. Uh, like a submarine being shot down, and the next segment is the portrait that's the guy with the uh, in the forest with the with the gun, the Gonotaku. Yes, yes. Mm. Oh, and one one little note about the Gonotaku. Back in the in the first part of the episode, like whenever the one guy was basically tell, explaining to him like what military taku, otoku, eh, otaku were, <laughs> um, he was basically like like Kubo was a little bit weirded out by like all these firearms and whatnot. And the guy makes a comment to the effect of, like, don't worry, all these guns just shoot pellets. It would be irresponsible to have actual guns because those kill people. And I'm like, why can't American gun culture yeah. be like that? <laughs> Hell World 2018. Our, because our culture is not based on, you know, anime, but John Wayne movies. That should be. Yeah, you got that right, God partner. <laughs> I suppose one issue for me is that even though we see the sort of representation with the female characters, um, like Sato, who I've been calling Hino for some reason, I I don't know. Um, me too. Thanks for correcting us, Tobias, because we took a little well, bit break. Well, actually. <laughs> Thank you. Talking about female representation, I've got their name wrong the whole time. <laughs> we are well, a bunch of terrible men. I appreciate it, but it feels kind of like lip service because they don't really do anything in the plot. Like, they're just sort of there. And, like, yeah. as much as, like, women have contributed in fandom, and this might be me kind of, like, 2020, my 2018 mind of, like, oh, well, there's so many female-dominated areas like cosplay or certain areas of fan art or fan fiction. Like, I was kind of hoping it's like, okay, so she's going to be, like, representing that part of the community in this, and she's going to be bringing that to the table we don't really see it and at least they're not hypersexualized. i mean we do see her in the lum cosplay but that's that's incredibly tame by today's standards so yeah. uh, i mean i don't appreciate the villain being his ex because that is such a it doesn't even really make narrative sense 
And I do love that she could not be the other company head. It had to be her new boyfriend. It couldn't be, like, even if you wanted to be, like, okay, it has to be somehow related to them breaking up, which is, like, awesome, and Tobias point out, is a terrible plot point. It's not even, oh, I, the person you directly broke up with, did these things at first. It's, no, first we have to have some guy who no one cares about, but it's me. I'm, I'm, me standing next to him is what makes narrative sense, apparently, which really just kind of bothers me. So I, I do agree. I do wish there were better representation for the women characters in, in the OVA. But I guess in today's world where I open my Twitter and I see several waifus flung at me, I, I appreciate the lack of like, Gynex did not live up to their reputation in this one, thank God. No, Nobody is particularly bouncy other than uh, Misty May. <laughs> yeah. I think that was one of those sort of tongue in cheek, like we 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 know what we're doing. We're this is part of the joke. Yeah, pretty much. And she she was kind of just an exaggeration of a bunch of other popular magical girls combined with the Daikon girl. And when you talk about uh the fact that Kubo really does sort of throw himself into it, the others seem relatively normal. Like I, there's there's not as much of an indication of not having any sort of ability to survive on their own. Like they're kind of like you know we do this, but and we live in this house together. But you know we someone in that group has to be washing the dishes and doing the laundry and like when the company starts up. Like I said, he's just telling them what to do, but they're the ones that actually do all of the hard work and like all the logistics. So I feel like. Kubo, despite him being, he kind of lives in the extremes of normiedom, where he is so bland of a character that he, the name of his tennis team is the Woodpeckers. I'm just gonna let that speak for itself. <laughs> Was it but really? The, yes. Look on the look on the wiki that uh, that <laughs> Animego put out. That's what it says. It's, it's the name you know, of his Woodpeckers. That is a ridiculous detail that I could only trust Robert Woodhead to provide. God bless him. <laughs> but, like, he goes into the extreme of just being so obsessive and so hardcore about it, and it feels like even though he's introduced to this by the others, that they're relatively tame. I mean, it's like, I, I could easily see them being like, yeah, we do this, this is our main hobby, but, like, I have class, and I have chores and errands and a, a, a life that I have to take care of, as compared to Kubo, who feels completely and totally, like, swallowed alive by it i do love also on the wiki uh for tonica's uh entry it says because he's accepted a life of bachelorhood tonica tends to have a more relaxed overall way of life his clothing home life and approach to decorating are generally less strict than that of his friend kubo and just the whole he's accepted a life of bachelorhood and i am so supportive of that because we live in an age of like incels and like creepy anime fanboys who just feel so entitled and I'm like just accept that no one wants you no one when you're born, <laughs> the great secret of life is when you're born never expect anyone will want to be with you just live your life and hope it happens and then you know your waifu will always be there <laughs> you're like, robots. he's living the life of like a weeaboo trappist monk and I am so supportive <laughs> of that. He knows. Well, he now he's my favorite character. Girl, but he is so there for Misty May, and he's like a nun to her religion. <laughs> <laughs> so I would like every single one of our listeners who may be upset that they can't get a girlfriend to look to our friend Tanaka and accept a life of bachelorhood. 
and see it as a natural moral good for society. Yep. And incels get off my lawn. <laughs> so like, with your mentioning of how Akubo has this much this extreme fandom for it. In this in Otaku no video and other animes I've watched, it seems to me that fandom is either I have no idea what insert thing is, or I am completely obsessed about it and that is all I do and think about. Well, I and think I, that I'm going I'm sorry. And I'm and I'm why is it the case? Because in real life, yeah, there's people who that that can be the case, but for me, uh, it's like I love One Piece. I watch it every week, and I'll go down a YouTube rabbit hole. But I won't talk about One Piece to you guys every single waking moment of the day. So, you would if you would if you could, though. No, <laughs> I, I wouldn't. If, even I'll, I'll I get say, bored of that at some point. I'll say yeah. this: it's writing because when you write, you or doing you have to use the broad strokes and the most. It's just a stereotype. I mean, in real life, there are otaku who are like that. I will tell a story. I have a cousin. I won't. I won't name him or anything. I have a cousin um, who who literally looks almost exactly like Tanaka, like down to the long black hair and the 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 rotund figure in the glasses. And he, we went to high school together. Uh, I he was more into the culture than I was. I I was very maybe for my own good looking at this in this way i was in a very strict like home environment of like academics and doing things in a certain way and dressing in a certain way and he wasn't and when i started getting more into anime when i was like getting later on in high school um i kind of had to try to interact with him in order to get information and he graduated high school has not gone to college and does not have a job he currently lives with his grandparents and just plays video games and watches anime all day and i sometimes kind of cringe at that and like worry about becoming that myself and the point of the story is to say there are people who they they are the, the target audience for the moral of this movie which is please go outside and interact with human beings and like live in the real world so there are people who i can personally point to i cannot just say oh i know theoretically there's someone in the country of japan who is like this i know someone in my personal life who is and i've met people who are so thrown into this world that they they have nothing else about them but i will say for the most part it's because What's easier? It's kind of, and again, this is me speaking from a personal thing. It's like with a gay stereotype. What's easier to have the guy who, you know, has the lispy voice and is a drag queen and is very stereotypically flaming and likes musicals and all of this. And I may have just described myself because I'm a stereotype, but in reality, there are people like that. And then there are also people who are on a spectrum of how obviously gay or how much into gay culture they might be and i'd say the same thing goes for any person who's part of any group is there is a certain level of a spectrum of involvement and i think in fiction especially like things like anime that, that paint things in very broad brushes it's easier to have you know in real life kubo would be like oh yeah i know some of this stuff or i may have seen a picture of it and not this like total like the fact, I almost feel like he would see a VHS tape and think it like, "What is this thing? What is it? You you use these magic black squares to put moving images?" Like I don't think he would be as out of the water as 
he is in, in, in the OVA. I think that's done for the story of this is someone normal, quote unquote normal, falling into a quote unquote abnormal world. I mean, maybe again, hindsight living in 2018, the lifestyle of these people, the otaku are not, it's not that strange or different from ours. I mean, in the in the land of the internet where everything is documented and everyone feels like their opinion is important, people do the same thing with sports or celebrities or Western TV shows or reality TV or scrapbooking. I mean, the thing is we are living in the age of the otaku right now. It's just not anime related. It's we are living in the age where most people have an obsession. And I personally think that that's healthy because I think people need to have something to be passionate about. It's unhealthy when you neglect relationships like Kubo does, or you go so far into it that you leave reality but i think ultimately having something that you're passionate about is healthy and like i said my favorite thing is john waters said life is nothing if you're not obsessed and i think to truly live life you need to find something that makes life worth living and surround yourself with those things and it doesn't have to be just one thing and it does and, and like you said like the whole it's the whole balancing act like finding that right mixture so like you know, you being able to be a functioning member of society and also contribute to like particular fandoms or passions that you feel very personally led towards. And a, the, a good combination of both of those things lead to a uh, more more healthy, more fulfilled lifestyle. I mean, every single one of us right now have had or have at this moment jobs, school obligations, uh, partners, uh, family members, personal problems, uh, personal projects outside, uh, multiple interests. I mean, I'm not just into anime, I'm into several things. So, I mean, politically, <sighs> it's, yeah. that's part of being a well-rounded human being. <laughs> right. And um, there's a, a that, that sort of sparked me and reminded me of one of the Twitter questions that we have, which I'm excited to get to, but uh, we'll, we'll leave that for a minute from now. But um, let me see. Um, so I guess now that we're kind of wrapping up, unless anyone has anything that they really want to bring up, I do have a couple of questions in closing that I want to ask everyone. Okay. Anybody else got anything else? I I would say like I really like attacking a video for it. It it is a timepiece of fandom at the time, and its references to Gynax. Oh, and the music for it is really good. Uh, the theme song will be playing at some point. Uh, in this wonderful podcast at some point. I'm going so, to be looping it throughout the entirety of this episode. <laughs> it's it's going to be blaring at the at the top of the volume. You won't be able <laughs> to even hear us. <laughs> but uh, overall, like, with it, some of the stuff to me, doesn't really work, and I think it's a bit dated to some degree. So I would say for new people, it's not a great entry, I would recommend it if you're more into the more of a history aspect of fandom and you're very much an old man want to see older shows. <laughs> yeah, it's very much a product of like of the, the 80s and the early 90s in the sense that it's both it's both there for historical purposes, but those sensibilities don't always carry over, you know, 20 years later. So just just be aware of that. Uh, I will always have my copy, and eventually when Animega releases it on Mindstream, where it beams directly into your brain, uh, I'm sure I'll buy it again. I'll back it there. 
But uh, yeah, did you did you want to talk a little bit about the Kickstarter? Uh, I mean, honestly, I'm more of a passive Kickstarter backer when I do back. Uh, I really appreciate Animago and Robert Woodhead's uh, commitment to updates. Uh, if you look at a lot of other Kickstarters where they just they update every month or two with like, oh, yeah, I kind of forgot. Uh, there's not really an update. Maybe next month. But Sorry, usually... my, my uh, magic skateboard is postponed indefinitely because <laughs> my mom said I wasn't allowed to build it. Yeah, I, I really regret backing the magic skateboard in all honesty. <laughs> like, I, that probably wasn't a smart move, but it, it made, it's made me more conservative uh, you know, about my backing. <laughs> magic school bus? Very similar. <laughs> it, it, it's kind of like Mighty Number no. 9, the reboot of the magic school bus. Oh, man. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, I like I, I appreciate Robert Woodhead's commitment to updates. Uh, I remember going back and just kind of watching, uh, you know, the the progress of the all the art, the design that you were going through, and and all of that. Uh, I don't, I can't remember details at this point because it was like 2015, late 2016, early 2016. But uh, I, yeah, I mean, it was a it was a nice, pleasant experience. I really enjoy my little box set. I've got I got the Oda King edition. Uh, I think that's I think I'm a premium backer is technically what it was. Uh, I took time to to look at all the the names at the end of it. So I think I was under the premium section, uh, but I whatever. I, I wasn't the production staff level, the same level like you know Lawrence Ng was. But uh, fortunately, I like money a little a little too much <laughs> to do that. <laughs> and but I know it's nice. It came with a it came with a nice Blu-ray with a reversible cover. It's got an art book that kind of looked at through tonight. It's got a, a bunch of bunch of stuff in the art book. I don't I don't know if they sell it individually, but if they do, it's I would I would recommend it. I think that particular edition, unlike the Bubblegum Crisis one, is still available. Like you can get the Oda King edition. I want to say still. I think sixty bucks, which is really good. Like yeah. it, uh, Otaku video is not particularly long, but considering what you get for this particular release is very nice. I've checked, I've seen uh, my buddy Jamie's copy and Sully, you've seen the same one and it's, it's rad. It's cool. It's worth 60 bucks. Oh yeah. I would say if you, if you really like this OVA, if you want to you know, have it, uh, you know, uh, for, for just purposes of having it, they, it's definitely worth it. And I, I think the one positive that came out was it, it was kind of the ushering in of, uh, anime licensors and production houses realizing, like, we can use Kickstarter to get products to come over here. So I think um, to get something that you love over uh, reissued again is always a good thing. Definitely. All right. Twitter. Yes, Twitter questions. First, though, I, I do want to ask everyone... Um, out of all the this this is kind of me stealing from the Disney Magic Hour podcast because I really like that podcast and they always whenever they do questions at the end they always ask three and I'm gonna ask one of them because we've kind of already talked about some of the things already but what they always ask um, is what do you think is the most iconic shot or most iconic scene of the entire OVA so. Tobias, if you had to pick the the most iconic shot or the most iconic scene from this, what do you think it would be? So I've got uh, I, I've got a cheat here. I think the most thing I recall the, the, the like the most is not a shot, but the movie poster that Which is one? got uh, the one where they're like uh, 
like in the background, it's all tinted red. You've got uh, Ueno and uh, some random dudes that are kind of laughing at yes. the, the foreground, which is we get. You've got the, the the main character holding a poster and a like a I Heart SF bag. Uh, yes. You've got a uh, Sato in her lone cosplay, just kind of like I don't know, like shrieking. I guess she's kind of like screaming or something. And you've got the rest of the the cast kind of cosplaying various characters in the background and. There's something about like the color choices there. I'm looking at it right now, and like, it's just something about that is to me very iconic. And I, I think I like that more than anything. Uh, as far as an individual shot, I think the like the one thing that stands out to me, and this is stupid as hell, but the part in the opening, and the opening is just like a, a shot of fire, you know, for most of it. Yeah. But near the end, where they're starting to gather together, and Tanaka literally flies like off the screen, <laughs> like that stood out to me, and I can never forget that. That is something just is hilarious. <laughs> he's doing like a he's doing like a T stance, but he's got like his knees up in his belly. Yeah, it's like gliding, <laughs> it's like a freaking majestic bird. <laughs> All right, so uh, Bill, what do you think is the most most iconic scene or shot that you would take away from Otaku no Video? Um, well, since Tobias took one of my answers with the whole <laughs> intro with the fire, to be different, I'm gonna say when when it's what was it twenty thirty and they they go to their old amusement park. And yes, they 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 realize that. that it's still working. What's going on? They go in. They're old men. They realize everyone's here, and then they open it up, and they're they're back to their to how they are in the most of the show, and then launch off like a uh, Yamato rocket <laughs> into space. <laughs> you know, we didn't even talk about that. Yeah, the the thing ends with uh, them creating basically Otaku Disney World. And then 30 years go by and like the seas have risen so far that like a significant portion of Japan is now underwater, including their theme park. And then they presumably go to visit it unless it's some sort of weird like death dream vision thing. And they like board the giant. uh, Was that something from Gunbuster or was that a Macross thing? It it. I mean, when originally when you first see the idea where they're coming out with it, it looks like the SDF one from Macross. But when we see it, that, like the shoulder pylons are very much Gunbuster, mm-hmm. but its its hands are replaced by I think like Bill said, like the Yamato. So it's not quite exactly a Gunbuster, but it's it's pretty much Gunbuster. <laughs> yeah, it's either way. It's a big boy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, sorry, side tangent. How does an otaku Disney World Disneyland work? Because one, you'd have to pay to get act to uh, license out all those characters that otakus care about, and you're a startup. So, Kobo bought every single one of them. Yes, (laughs) he bought them all with garage kit money. Exactly. I guess. Man, (laughs) people really love those garage kits, then. Yeah. Sully, (laughs) what is the most iconic scene or shot for you? I really like the scene where Kubo is dying and he drops the, the snow globe and says, Minamo. <laughs> 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 might have been the movie in my mind. No, uh, seriously, my favorite. Char- Charles Foster Kane-san. <laughs> <laughs> my fa- I have to cheat a bit and pick two scenes. And I think it's because these two scenes kind of sum up uh, my very rose-tinted look at this OVA. 
and it's when he goes to the school festival and he sees everyone in cosplay it really is this sort of it's a very weird comparison but for going with classic film it makes me think of dorothy and munchkinland like it's this very you're not in kansas anymore sort of feeling yes um and i guess that's just the sort of feeling i love about being in the anime community is this sort of everyone everyone is dressed as someone other than themselves and yet ironically are being totally than authentic to themselves in doing it and i love how he's like at first a little off put like he doesn't understand it but he's so open to it and they're like you know this is what we do this is our world and we are sharing it we're not saying we're not gatekeeping it we're not like being defensive it's we are just bringing that joy to everyone and if they like it or not is up to them and that really just makes me happy and my second scene is when they're waiting for the movies again because I I think the reason I love this OVA so much is it reminds me so much of the friendships I've made through the community that seeing them sitting and just sort of talking with each other and they're very casual and even though it is surrounding this hobby they have it seems so much like the conversations I've had with all of you when we've waited for movies or when we've gone out to eat together or, you know, just stayed up late at night talking to each other. It feels so human and authentic and real that it always warms my heart. So I have to pick those two scenes. And I guess because those are my favorite, that kind of explains my very uh, romanticized view towards this film, which I'm glad I had that challenge because I now will probably look at it in a much different way the inevitable next time I watch it. Yeah, I think just to reiterate again, like I think a lot of those emotional beats that you outlined really do hit and they hit very well. Just a lot of our issues are like the plot structure. But anyway, we've already gone over that. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. But um, as for myself, uh, probably probably my most iconic scene would be the one that's our um, one of our cover photos on Facebook, which is just Kubo holding all of those tapes and like books and stuff in his in like his lap when he's sitting on the floor and he can like barely see over it because that's basically my life. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 my aesthetic. Three million percent for better or worse. That's that's me right there. Um, well, it, it would be you if you he was asleep. That's true. <laughs> covered because. In Covered All in tapes, of full of sleep. <laughs> Why is it so true? But um, it was that, and then I just I love the scenes whenever he's talking to the uh, the otaku gang for the first time and like learning about all their different passions and all that. Um, I really love that scene. That's probably whenever I think of otaku no video, I take I think of those sequences. Like none of the none of the big silly moments, none of the uh sort of like bombastic uh, moments, none of the um, portrait of an otaku stuff. Like I just think about those, you know, small, genuine little interactions between him and his new friends uh, sort of bonding over anime crap. And uh, very much, very much in the vein of what you said, Sully, because it reminds me of, uh, of what we do, like what we try and make this podcast to be, what we try and make our panels to be. And like all of the uh, hanging out that we do online or in person and all that. It's, it's fun to think about, and it's, uh, it's a fun little representation there. All right, so with that being said, uh, let's move on to Twitter questions, and we have a handful of them, all thanks to the immaculate uh, Basil on Twitter, who is the convention head of uh, Hamacon that we were most recently at, which, again, thank you. Thank you, Basil, for having us out. We had so much fun at Hamacon, and we will be 
uh, on this podcast uh, talking about it uh, soon. It might already be out. It might not be, um, but uh, it will be on our podcast feed. We will be talking about Hamicon. So let's just get started. Some of these I'm going to skip over because we've already kind of talked about it. Um, so, okay, so... One of these questions is the one that I've been thinking about the most. So, in terms of the uh, portrait of an otaku scenes, what kind of otaku do you guys think would show up if they were to do those in 2018? And I have a very clear list of the kinds of otaku that I assume would be in there. But um, And I guess I'll go ahead and say my list, and then you guys can interject as well. I feel like we'd still have an anime person. We would have somebody who's way too into video games, especially like um, like retro gaming specifically. Um, we'd have someone that's like <laughs> super obsessed with politics. <laughs> I think I think Bill and I know someone like that who's who would be like a very much a politics otaku. Um, someone who's super into like tech, or like building PCs and like computer stuff. Um, we'd have another cosplay person. We'd probably have another, like, cosplay photographer or, like, videographer or something like that. Um, and then somebody who's into either, like, fan art or fan fiction. Um, so that's what, that's what I think we would see. Any other particular otaku you think we would see in any of those sequences? So specifically, you have a general game otaku. There would be one just for gotcha game. Oh my gosh. Oh, plays nothing but gotcha. Always has their phone with a battery pack on. Plays all of them. And they're always posting screenshots of, of who they got. All the pools they got. Always complaining about how much, how many thousand dollars they spent. Like this person never, never like actually works. They just have a insurmountable amount of money. But they have all the characters they want. Fate Grand Order, this is, Fire Emblem. This this is not making fun of Hazukari. It, it's totally making fun of Hazukari. <laughs> Every Idol Master game. Oh my gosh. Uh, uh, I think the problem with the video games one is there's too many subsets I think of. Like there's the esports person, there's the retro person, there's the person who only plays games from Japan and has never given up hope on the Vita. And plays everything from NIS, America, uh, Spike Chunsoft, Sega, and uh, <laughs> uh, and plays uh, visual novels from manga manga gamer <laughs> uh, all the time. So. Oh, we forgot the uh, the uh, competitive Smash player. Like that would definitely be one. Oh yeah, uh, for sure. The speed not trying to make extinct. <laughs> So, no, I, um, I think, yeah, I think go ahead. Well. I, I think you covered it pretty well, though. What other anime production company would you like to see their life story animated like Gainax was in Otaku no Video? For me, I would probably want to see, like, I don't know, maybe, uh, Trigger. Yeah, it's maybe gonna, Trigger, it's, but like, it's, it's Trigger for you. I know it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I think guess. the thing is, I don't know what other studio has the, like the, the background that Gainax did. Granted, I say that just being super huge fans of theirs to begin with. Yeah. But now that I've, we're doing more research on, uh, you know, the origins of Ghibli, uh, I wouldn't mind maybe seeing a dramatization of, of uh, like, Takahata and Miyazaki doing their own thing and, you know, going the sense of 
you know, uh, Lupin and then moving on to their own movies, I think would be kind of interesting. That would be interesting because I, I think that there's probably some parallels there between not necessarily exactly the same, but sort of the, yeah. the grassroots like nature of Gynax is sort of how Ghibli came around too. Yeah. Um, even though it is a little bit like, like, like Takahata and Miyazaki were already like established professionals at that point. So it is a little different, but. For me personally, I would love a kind of series focused on either Toei animation or um, Madhouse. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, because Toei, especially in the early days, did really good work that was really beautiful to look at, especially their stuff in the 50s and 60s. I would say they were like the Walt Disney of anime at the time before um, Ghibli came along. And just there also, they have this reputation of a nameless corporation. And so just to get some to learn about some faces who formed Toei Animation that would think would be really interesting. And mm-hmm. also, because Matt Madhouse is such a pedigree with the amount of good shows that they've put out. Uh, plus, we get a little bit about Satoshi Khan, which would make me happy. Yeah. I would just love to see a, like a any sort of uh, coverage of like Satoshi Khan's anime career. Like, that would be incredible. It would be done in the style of like Millennium Actress. Oh man! Oh. <laughs> I want it. This will never exist, but I want it. Give it to me. A uh, a documentary that is just as long as it took them to make it about Redline. Just a an eight year long like following uh, Takeshi Koike around just <laughs> trying to get Redline made. <laughs> okay, so yeah. Would, I'll go ahead. Go ahead. You're probably going to say Tatsunoko. No. <laughs> Look, I have. I've shown my bias in the. Yes, I'm a total Tatsunoko fanboy, but I also say it because look, the story of Yoshitaka Amana. Hey. Was 15 and just doodling stuff in his notebook, and his best friend happened to live next door to Tatsunoko. I was like, hey, you want a tour? They saw his pictures and hired him like the next day. I want to see that like in a this is Spinal Tap esque documentary. <laughs> I want to know. I want to that. see that story hash out. Also, <laughs> the, you talk about Toei's output in the sixties and seventies. I will combat that with Animal Treasure Island and Flying Ghost Ship. Both of which I still need to see. I own that first one. I don't think the second one's in print. It's not, but oh boy, is it a doozy! I've heard. I'm excited for that. Um, so I think I think we probably I'm gonna answer for all of us on this one. Would you like to see uh, the Gainax story from Otaku no Video until today animated? Absolutely. I, um, I wanna... you, you like the latter half of their stuff. Yep. Can we have a whole section about what happens to them after uh, Grand Logan is done? Because I want to know exactly what they do now. <laughs> <laughs> they uh, they just sit and have debt. That's what they do. Pretty much. So, like, I mean, the anime just came over where they they were they, they wildly successful after after one fest and and then just being successful and you know and going to space. But in reality, they just got like the IRS basically, <laughs> like space IRS. Yeah, the space IRS just show up and uh, like take Takeda away, and that's that's the end of Gainax. And uh, I, yeah, I mean, I think I I kind of. I guess being an auto fan, I think I would enjoy something a little more serious about uh, maybe a look at you know his days at Onadia and then going into Evangelion. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. But I feel like we it's a story we already kind of know, so maybe it doesn't need to be told. Yeah. Then he get his own show with the, the Blaze. Help me, Tobias. Play all the Blazes. Thank you. Yeah, but that's I mean, more that, of that's more of him and like as a college student. Yeah. It's not so much I mean, I guess that's true. And it's him and Skynax as a whole. So if you liked if you liked the autobiographical aspect of a talk in a video, uh definitely go check out Blue Blazes. Uh, we hono. I believe it's still streaming on Viki. That's uh, V-I-K-I dot com. A site that streams more J-drama stuff. It's definitely worth a watch if you're into Gainax history and uh, you know, nerd history as well. They kind of talk about some of the early animation stuff. So did you guys see those um, uh, giant robot walking canes that are coming out? No. Wow, no. What is, the, oh, what is this? Okay. Okay, so basically, they're they are making a line of right now three um, uh, walking canes based on three iconic classic super robots. Okay. Excuse me. We've got one for Mazinger Z, and one for Tetsujin Twenty Eight, and the other one I think is Getter Robo. Um, and they are walking canes to try and appeal to elderly otaku. <laughs> <laughs> And and Basil asks, uh, what giant robot walking canes would you want to have? (laughs) For me, I would want to have probably a uh, Super Tengen Tapa Gurren Lagann walking cane that is... um, It's not a cane, it's like a Gandalf staff. Basically, yeah. And like it's it it pops out drills at any given time, but I'm never hurt by it. Only my enemies. Um, and it's like see through blue, and like you can see like the entire universe inside of the cane. And basically, it's not <laughs> for walking. And basically, it's not not even a cane at all. It's just I want Super Tengen Top Top of Gurren Lagann. Just give me that. You you just created a D and D like weapon for a D and D character. <laughs> I, I I can do what I want. Wow. All right, podcast <laughs> over. All right, this is third impact anime. We are good. Uh, Signing off forever. Wait, anyway. so, Sully, what giant robot walking cane do you want? Would it be too predictable or in character for me to say because I'm not a very uh into giant robot person that I would want a Yatterwan cane or a Didacoron cane. That's I the dog mech, right? What? That's the dog mech, right? That is the dog mech. Hey, yeah, that'll work. That's fine. Just the cane is shaped like his head and you push a button and little mini robots come out of it, just like in the show. And that's <laughs> how he gets off my lawn. Perfect. What about you, Tobias? I'm thinking Gunbuster. Like your Ting and Tapa staff, it would be larger than a than a cane. Really, it's staff size, and because of the shoulder pylons, it's really a trident, or I guess a bident. <laughs> I guess you just have two sharp pylons that you can stab people with, in case you ever need to. Do you have to rip your shirt off to to use it? Uh, don't you rip your shirt off whenever you go outside and walk with your cane? <laughs> I mean, not during the winter. I mean, you were just in Alabama. You walked outside. You kind of had to rip your shirt off. 
This is this is accurate. <laughs> Austin, I would like to change my answer. Since Mazinger Z versus Devilman is a thing, I think that technically makes Devilman a giant <laughs> robot, and I want a Devilman game. You heard it here, folks. Devilman's Devil a robot. Devilman's a robot. No, I want a. Uh, I want what's what's the uh, what's the robot from Ratatouille? Oh yeah, um, Linguini. Linguini. I want a Linguini. Yeah, Linguini. <laughs> <laughs> Bill, I hope I hope to goodness you have a serious answer. Um, either I have a cane that can transform into any of the mechs from G Gundam, because uh, they're so stereotypical that they're great. Or if I can't get that. One based off the uh, Mr. Smith Big O Mega Robot. You know, I had a, I had a feeling you were gonna go with uh, the Big O. That's uh, I had a feeling like that was gonna be yours. Classic. Yep. All right, so um, let's see what else we got here. Most of these are just him being a goofus. <laughs> you wanna you wanna go over some of those? We could we could go over those. Now let me just read them. We may not. We'll just stop on one that we want to answer. So, who is your favorite otaku in those segments? Uh, we kind of covered that. It seems yeah. like we don't really have a favorite because they all right. make us feel uncomfortable. Right. But I if I like, had to pick one, it'd be the American one. It, yeah, it's sorry. It's going to be the American one because the logic in that is so absurd. Of just, I decided just to move to Japan and sell <laughs> all my uh, all my western sessions which what if you know japan that wouldn't be possible yeah. <laughs> uh, my favorite is the man who tapes everything and watches nothing because that's a very thin <laughs> way of listening i think that man is possibly the wisest man to ever exist <laughs> or, oh gosh or, or the my second favorite is the guy who steals cell who steals animation cells because the way he talks and because he has sunglasses on, he reminds me of the main d- dude from School Rumble. Got one here from a good friend, Adam Dame. Uh, yeah, if it's called, it. if it's called no video, why is there video? Gosh, well, dang. The title is Otaku no Hero Academia. <laughs> <laughs> Boku no video, Otaku no, Dame. Otaku don't go to school, so that's why there is no academia. <laughs> <laughs> that is very true. Would you kickstart an anime adaptation on how Hamacon was founded? Absolutely. Um, we should just go ahead and write that script as part of this podcast. Um, yes. But maybe that'll be a bonus episode where we come up with our fictionalized version of how Hamacon was founded. And I, th- I think it could get pretty ridiculous. I think it probably would involve Basil being rescued by some sort of a mysterious like tiger beast. And then the tiger beast basically making a pact with him that says, hey, I will give you, you know, I'll give you uh, unlimited riches, but you have to uh, uh, you have to run an anime con for at least nine years. And then <laughs> after the ninth year, you have to continue to invite this panel group called Third Impact Anime back to your convention and make yeah. sure they have lots of fun. Uh, otherwise, I will eat all of your happiness uh I like awesome the, awesome no video i like the question of what otaku should should be in segments today i would say uh the tape guy because the collect people uh, in anime fandom collectors are all around with their massive collections yeah Not i like think we have meant- anybody here 
Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like we know someone who does that. Uh, <laughs> uh, what what are our maiden names? Um, if I had to pick a maiden name, I would be um, Honey Kisaragi. I, I would definitely. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to change my name to Otto. Hey, Sully, speak into your microphone, not across the room. Unfortunately, I've never been married, so I don't have a maiden name, but one day I hope the right guy comes along and then I can force him to do whatever I want, and then he'll have to take my name because I'm demanding and bossy, and probably the fact no one likes this is I am a horrific, evil weeaboo who... Wait, I'm sorry, what was the question again? (laughs) You answered it. Um, how was it to live the con life with another Austin? Uh, it was strange, especially considering that Austin was Austin <laughs> Tyndall, uh, the voice actor for Kaneki Ken in Tokyo Ghoul. And uh, it was weird that I was just looking over there in the same room and he was just chomping down on a slice of pizza. And I'm like, why am I here? I feel so unimportant in the grand scheme of things. But uh, yeah, being being official guests at a con is weird, but it's it's a good weird, but it's weird. Yep. Um, does Otaku no Video still hold up? I would say yes, but a caveated yes. Yeah, I think we kind of covered it in the cast. Yeah, it's definitely. I think it's worth having. It's worth seeing. It's worth noting as a notable work. But there are some issues, and there's some things, some ways that it doesn't really hold up to modern. And uh, Basil also asks for our social security numbers and banking routing numbers, which we're not going to give out on this podcast, but I will DM them. I will DM them to everyone who follows us on Twitter. (laughs) Everyone's number is 8675309. Hey, that's a classic anime reference. (laughs) (laughs) It is indeed. All right, because I'm I'm because I'm <laughs> because I'm sick of reading all of these, and I think we've given Basil enough credence for now. Uh, I think that we can probably wrap this episode up. What do you guys think? Sounds right to me. Sounds cool. Because cool. we have gone on for way too long about this topic, but I think I think this was a really good episode. I'm I'm really proud of you guys. I think this was a lot of fun. So, uh, Sully. Where can people uh, find you? Where can people find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at Calvin, and I, I get tired of spelling it out. So just you know, look at your own damn self. <laughs> wow! Do <laughs> something for yourself for once. That's a little hostile, so I'm going to go over to Bill. Bill, how can people find you on Twitter? Um, just this WB Foreman nine nine nine, where you'll hear you'll read such great questions of. The purpose of Facebook is just to remember people's birthdays, and that's its sole purpose at this point. Well done. And Tobias, what about you? I'm on Twitter, uh, at Reverend underscore Tobias. And uh, when, when my phone works, I post, but when it doesn't, I don't. And as See, for myself... Mean, Why didn't you get on him? Because that wasn't mean. It was just matter of fact. I get tired of having to spell mine out. And I don't have people on Twitter. I, I said the underscore. That technically counts as spelling. And you know what? I got to phonetically spell everything at work. And I hate it. I'm just, I'm done. 
Okay, I think we're I think we're all getting tired. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just ranting about work, man. Like I, I'm really getting tired of people at work. Uh, just... We need to give Sully his milk because we're we need we need his bedtime. So let's, let's wrap it up. Oh, I swear to God, if you make a grandma joke, I'm gonna kill you. I'm not gonna say a word. I'm just gonna sit here and mind my own business and tell people that you can follow me on Twitter at <laughs> Bebop Shock. That is. Bebop is in Cowboy Bebop, and Shock is in Bioshock. And for all of your third impact-related content whatevers that you may want to be looking for, you can follow us on Twitter at TI underscore anime. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash third impact anime. You can find this podcast and other wonderful episodes. I think we're almost to our 50th episode, which is very exciting, guys. 50 episodes. That's pretty awesome. Well, yeah. About 50 episodes. Um, can we have a and, uh, We can try. Um, and, uh, yeah, so uh, if you guys want to listen to our podcast, you can find us on Google Play and Stitcher and Player FM and iTunes and YouTube and all that stuff and wherever it is that you are listening to it right now because you have already found it and made it to the end of this quite long episode but we thank you guys so much for listening thank you guys so much for sticking around with us and hearing all the crap we have to say about anime related stuff on the regular and this has been austin and tobias and sully and bill from third impact anime signing off have a otaku tastic evening i hate you (laughs) (laughs) we're ending it on i hate you ゆめを託して。T-シャツの夏汗男の勲章。涙止まらないぜ。ときめきはすれないぜ。心の。戦え、戦え、戦え、戦え